Ladies and gentlemen, after one hour and 51 minutes of drinking, ca- drinking chaos insanity, and Nate not sending us up here with an SD card to record this thing, you are listening to the Balluminati podcast. We are live at Der Beer Garden. Der Beer Garden. Der Beer Garden, where uh, the service has just been um, phenomenal. Okay. Like how we planned it. <laughs> that just like they planned it. Um, so we are here. It's Colin. It's Stig. It's Pickle. It's a bunch of guys you don't know, but I do. Uh, we're going to tell stories. Uh, one of them, who said that? Was that you? All right. So our friend Matt Levine just came up here and made the best analogy I think I've heard in the history of USF athletics, which is... USF football is the U.S. men's national soccer team. Yeah. Train, I mean, flat, you know, equal sign. Just put the equal sign between the two of them. That's Trans- exactly it's what they a, It's the transitive property. Transitive property. Like, 100%. Like, good, but not quite good enough. Eminently frustrating. Can't win a championship. Like, parallels. They're totally there. And the worst part is, our biggest rival is one that runs the fucking conference. Yeah. Oh, that makes it worse, too. Yeah, yeah Viva, Ma- Viva La Mexico. Uh, What's the score right now? What score? 2-0 uh, Atlanta Braves are over the Washington Nationals. Woo! Yeah, the scores. But it's also 1-0 Mexico because, of course, it is. So, um, we're here. We're live. Uh, we got a bit of a late start. Um, this has been an interesting day. I had one Uber get in a car accident. And then I had a second Uber go the wrong way at, down a one-way street coming out of my hotel. And he's like, oh, shit. And then he makes another, he makes a right-hand turn, and it goes down another one-way street <laughs> going the wrong way. So he was going the wrong way and then turned into going the wrong way again. Welcome is, to Atlanta. Welcome to Atlanta where the players play. Um, I felt safe on Marta this morning, though. Marta was fine. I took Marta in from the airport. It was delightful. All good. Nicely. She's a nice lady. Marta's terrific. Within, Big fan. Within 25 seconds of me sitting on the Marta, I got asked for money by a homeless man. <laughs> and uh, so I was, so I didn't realize where I was sitting in the first place, but I was sitting in one of those, like, you know, like the handicap seats. Right. Yeah, I sat in one of those. I felt bad after I realized it because I walked away from it. But uh, a guy sat across from me. It was an empty Marta. Literally empty. It was just me sitting in this Marta for about a minute. And this other guy walked on and he was like, Oh hey, uh, you know, I just want you to let you know I'm I'm, I'm 62 years old. I just turned 62 yesterday. I was like, dude, I don't carry cash. <laughs> like, I have nothing for you. Like, what do you want me to do? I've said this before because I have the same thing happen to me coming in at my office in downtown Tampa. The first homeless person that comes up to me with like a square cash reader or like a tap to pay, I am over I am overpaying that dude because I am the creativity. I respect, dude. You, I mean, he's at least a 20 ball. At least a 20 ball the first time that happens. I'm just sort of waiting for it. Um, so we're here. Fix is here. Atlanta's been great. Uh, the alumni... Well, uh, it should have been better. The alumni party... God bless the alumni association. They do a great job. They find these places for the events. Stat Sports Bar. Really good really good spot. They have their own beer. It's great. One problem. They had they, two bartenders for 300 people? They were not more? ready for us. They, they were... No idea. They had two bartenders for all of us. I think they saw that there were going to be, like... That we lost forty nine nothing last week and went. Oh well, nobody's coming to this game. I said forty nine. Have another one, princess. (laughs) Keep that in, Vito. Keep that in. Um, So we forty nine nothing. Not great. Uh, and I think they went, oh, nobody's coming to this game. The fact that USF is still traveling people after a 49-0 beatdown all the way to, go Bulls! Random go Bulls as we walk, walking through the bar. Uh, that's a good sign. That shows the progress that this program is making. The depth of relationships with this program is better than it ever has been. I don't care that we lost for it. I said this on the pod earlier this week. I'm repeating myself because I've had a spot in Optimator Leader. Um, the We have... The depths of the relationships are better. The program's in a better place than it was a year ago. I don't care if they lost 49 nothing. It's going to be fine. We're going to be okay. It sucks right now. The suck is temporary. The fixes are forever. The facilities are going to get better. The money's going to get better. We're going to be fine. I want to I wanna point out what uh, the Daily Stampede alumni, Connor Aikman, from down the... Uh the, from, the microphone's from, over there, Steve. Sorry. I want to point out what Connor Aikman from down, down the table said when... When uh, Colin was saying that was, yeah, you keep telling yourself that. <laughs> it's it's there. 
So now you know why we fired Connor. Uh, <laughs> so, I no, I, I really do believe this. Like, I have been Mr. Pessimism about U.S. I mean, I literally wrote everything about how to be Mr. Pessimism about the University of South Florida. You are no Mr. Joke. Pessimism in Dude, the University of South Florida. check the archives. This is not the time to be pessimistic. It's getting better. Hashtag, it gets better. Um, Eric, you and I went to a volleyball game tonight. Yes, yes. It was good fun. Georgia Tech against IUPUI. By the way, Eric is the PA announcer for USF Volleyball. Go Bulls. Uh, so we went over there to go check out Georgia Tech uh, to go see Michelle Collier, coach against IUPUI. Um, they have instant replay in their gym. So, like, if there's a bad call, they can go to instant replay. We and, can't go to instant and replay. And a nice video board. It was, it was phenomenal. They have a massive video board. The band is at every game. The, the Shirtless uh, fans. Shirtless. Rabid student fans. Painted up with, like, team letters on um, on their bodies. Uh, the, the It's a loud gym. Some of it's, like, naturally occurring noise, but it's really loud. And it just shows the gap. This is, like, a lower-tier ACC team with really tough academic standards to get in. And they're capable of putting together a better atmosphere than we are. And it that should not. Loud. And they've got less than half the students that we do. They have under 20, yeah. we have over 40 on main campus. So we should be able to, and until we bridge that gap, we're not going to get to where we want to go as a program. So I thought it was pretty enlightening to see where we could be. That's what we should be doing. These are the models. We, the Georgia Tech is the type of program where that should be our aspirational. We can't, we don't have Alabama money. We don't have Notre Dame money. We can't do the things that Texas does where they're competitive in, like, every sport. But we can com- we can compete at the same level as Georgia Tech. It was very exciting. They had just, I mean, just having the band there with the students that, that were there, the rabid fan base, uh, well, just the students there, they, they, they incorporated everything. And I know our marketing department, from speaking with them, is going to try and build these types of traditions. And it's, it's possible because their arena is very similar to the corral. So uh, uh, sound-wise, too, it can be very loud in the corral. So... It was, it was pretty fun to watch that. It was. Really, it was. Yeah, good times. Um, and shout out to the entire, I think I saw like half of the 2002 USF volleyball team there tonight. They made a reunion out of this because they came up to go see their girl, their old former teammate, Michelle e. Coach, and they're all here for the football game tomorrow. There That's, was no shortage of Colin saying hello to anybody. <laughs> Fortunately, I, I, there are a lot of really good kid, really good people in that program, and that was awesome. Um, we're going to just sort of pass this thing around and have some fun with it. Lauren? Yeah. Fan of the year, what's up, dude? Hey. Um, how was your trip to Atlanta? <laughs> it was great, uh, except I was in the middle seat, and y'all, if you're in the middle seat, you get the armrests. It's a Is thing. that a rule? Yes. I think that's like a respect rule. Like, if you have the window, you have the window and that armrest. If you have the aisle, you have leg room right. and your right armrest or your left, whatever. So, here's here's my other question. How do you feel about reclining your seat in coach? I would never recline my seat. Thank you for not being the devil. Never. Right. The only time I'm going to recline my seat is, one, if I'm the seat in front of the exit row. You okay. know what I mean? Sure. Or if I'm in first class. Oh, yeah. First class, that's fine because the whole point of first class is that is even if you I get fine, to do whatever I want and you can't tell me otherwise. Right. And plus well, they Well, that's have just it. really my life. <laughs> Says the girl who sits in the suite at every home game. <laughs> okay. Right. One day I'll be out with you normies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Someday out the normals. Um, actually, we went fancy. My buddy Jay, who we're going to bring over here, and we're going to tell degenerate gay, Jay gambling it's stories when he gets point, over here. Colin. No, he can, we can point at him. It's point. Um, we're going to tell degenerate gay gambling stories before we get out of here. But um, Jay, uh, uh, as as he pointed out, you prost. So, oh, we got So, we um, you saw forty nine nothing. You were as excited about this season as I was. Um, I haven't talked. We've talked since, but we haven't really talked about football. Yeah. Um, your thoughts? Um. Well, if y'all didn't see, I did a live tweet um, when I was drunk. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> but it was kind of like very true in my feelings. But it was kind of like not the best game. Obviously, mm-hmm. the plays were there. They just weren't executed, and I freaking hate saying that because I feel like everyone said that last week or last year. Mm-hmm. And I really think that the what set the tone was the first or second series with USF and just all the dropped passes. And, like, if you can't find your rhythm early on, it, it, you're kind of doomed. 
And are you forty nine nothing doomed though? I don't think so. I think that a lot of it was mental, and I think that they kind of got in their own heads. I thought it was pretty bad when the offense literally took, like, a white flag and started waving it over their head on the snap of the ball. I thought that was probably not Not, ideal. Not the best. Not the best. And, you know, honestly, impressed by the defense. And I hate saying impressed, but, I mean... First time, first time together playing as a unit. You're playing one of the toughest opponents you have. You're on the field every five seconds. Yep. They played pretty and well. They made plays, not yeah. even just in the beginning of the game. They made plays later in the game, and they were they were doing as much as they could, and we just didn't capitalize on it. And I don't think that's the team that we are. I think we're going to see a very different team this you know this week. And um, I'm really, really freaking excited. I'm not even gonna lie. No, no, I agree. Yeah. I, I, you look. I don't. I don't know if we're gonna win tomorrow. I think we could. I did not pick us to win, but I think we could win tomorrow. Um, whoa, whoa, whoa! What? Wait a second. Yeah. So you're gonna put money against us? Mm. I did oh. not bet this game. Okay. I did not bet I was on this like, game. Wait, no, wait, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. I only have one bet against USF this season right now, and that's just because I thought Cincy was so undervalued, and I knew I'd be able to bang it back. So I have Cincy plus seven and a half at USF, and I'm totally going to be able to get that game at like even, and then just bet it back and catch this huge middle. Yeah. So that's the only bet I have. I, that's the first bet I've made against USF, and probably I can't even tell you how long. Oh, there was a basketball game once where I knew we were going to lose. Yeah. And I knew we were going to lose by fifty. Well, it's funny yeah. because um, there was a time last year it was us versus Tulane, and mm-hmm. we were down by like. 20-some? I don't know. We were down by a lot, and they were still projected us to win the game, and my boyfriend put money against us. He's like, we're not winning this game. And he won. He won the money? Yeah. Did he feel bad about it, at least? Oh, for sure. Is that money going to PledgePicks.com? Uh, nope. <laughs> no, it's not, but pitch, it pitch. probably went to me in some way in form of, like, dinner or movie or something. There are probably people that know our podcast that don't know you or PledgePicks, okay. so give the 30-second pitch. Uh, PledgePicks.com is a website where if you're a USF fan, you can pick your pledge and it all goes to the USF Football Center. You basically get to say, I pledge this amount of money for whatever USF wants to do. Whatever you want. And if they do it, you pay. If they don't, then you don't. And it's kind of a cool way to keep engaged and watch the games and see how much you owe at the end of the season because they won or because they scored this many points or this they scored this field goal. Or they scored a point. Or a point. <laughs> yeah, a so Solo, solamente un punta. <laughs> solamente. Uh, thank you, Lauren, for being here. Uh, how much money was raised in week one of Pledge Fix? I don't want to tell you that. That'd be a big negative. Is it a total ghost? Total? Oh, no. Okay. No. All right. Uh, do you want to know the biggest donor? I'll tell you that. Okay. Stieg. Steve, <laughs> yeah. Steve, our hero for going to get the SD card that Nate forgot, and he's our the best biggest donor. donor in the biggest goose egg loss. <laughs> My hero, right there. I love that dude. Um, go also. So we're still here. I'm here with three old AE pies uh, from the University of South Florida. Benny, Matt, Adam. They've been. All of you guys still live up here. In Atlanta. True. Okay. Yeah. You all live within two miles of each other. Also true. Danny, you were the funniest guy at all the volleyball games that we used to go to when we were all in undergrad. I miss those days. Yeah. Well, you should go see your old your old player I, that yeah. we all used to go watch. Yeah. Now she's coaching down the street here. Her, Shamika Mitchell, like Shemeika. that whole crew, they were amazing. Yeah, they were really good. Yeah. And so they're still here. but So now you guys knew this was coming for a year. And you've seen sort of like from USF from a distance. Yeah. And we were just discussing how the student population doesn't really buy in nearly as much as when all of us were a part of what's... Why is that? What's different now? And why don't the kids seem to care nearly as much as they used to when we were doing this? You know, there was something exciting about being part of a... a, Look, 22, 22 years ago was... Our eighty to three win. More than that now, right? Twenty-two. Oh no, you're right. Twenty-two. 22, yeah. 22, 22 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, think about that game, that culture that was there, and in preparation, and in that year that we didn't even have a have a game. What was and you, all the excitement that was there? When When did y'all graduate? Two thousand. Two thousand two. Two thousand two thousand two. Two thousand four. 
So you saw the Louisville game. I did. You were there for the Louisville win. You were there for the nine and two season and Bowling Green and rushing the field. And we, at that you were time, there for we Troy were, State. The Troy yeah. State win over number one. You were there for Troy State too. Yeah. It felt different. It felt like you were building. And now these kids now, they finally got them to show up and they saw 49 nothing. And it's like, I'm dis- I'm really worried because you're sitting in a bar in the middle of Atlanta to watch because of what you saw when you were an undergrad. And the only way this program is going to grow is that more people see what we all saw so that they're like, all right, chips all in. This is my team until I die. No matter what. And I don't know if we're building that level of audience that we need to build for the future. That's what scares me. So what's different? So I think... So I remember watching the sports ticker when we were not quite that good and just watching and hoping to see the Conference USA ticker come through and see if we won or not because it wasn't televised. And... I think part of the reason is people expect the wins these days and expect to see them on national TV. And I used to be at home just hoping that we won on the ticker. Look, I remember I that's sitting, a big difference. I remember sitting up here in one of my first years in Atlanta and got excited when we got to, like, what, number two in the country. And, 07, yeah. And, yeah, 07. And, and I mean, what an exciting time. I, I don't know that these kids now, these students now, know that. I mean, they were in elementary school then. Um, you know, I think I think it's going to take some of us alumni to help bring some of that excitement back. You know, to to the program, and and maybe that'll maybe that'll change it. I, I don't know. We something the culture has to change, and here's the worst part: is like I've known these guys like almost 20 years at this point. We need more people like this buying into the program. We need to like refill because guess what? Old people like us, you can't count on that forever. You have to refresh the bottom of the program. And like the the thing that disappointed me the most about the alumni event, which was a great job, and I really think the alumni association did a fantastic job. This is not their fault. Do you see any students there? No. Danny, you and I used to go on road trips and like the alumni would invite us out to like that type of event on a road yeah. game and we would be there and like if it was just show up, they'd pay for the drinks. If I saw students there tonight, yeah. tabs open. You know what I mean? I mean it reminds me of uh, I went to Oklahoma. I uh, went to Oklahoma and you know, alumni took the young guys, you know, it was it was one of those things where it was like, Look, you're you're younger, you're just in the scene and alumni kinda took you under your wing and you started to connect. Um and I, and I don't know if that really happens anymore. You know, it's uh, it's tough. You know, for for me anyway, right? Life gets in the way, and so it's tough to get to the USF games like we used to. Um, but at the same time, I, I just want to go back to what it used to be, where we were the underdog, and so if we won and beat a team, it was awesome. And if we didn't, we were expected to lose. So if we go back to what. Georgia State did last week versus Tennessee. Yeah, Georgia State beat my person's course. Go Panthers! (laughs) Right? Like, we used to have that excitement in Tampa. Right. Um, And so I think what's happened now is, you know, just like anything else, we get really jacked and excited, and we expect more. Um, but we don't show that support. It becomes a, an expected kind of a thing, um, and you know it just becomes again. Tough. That's cultural, though. That's that's kind of where our culture's gone with a lot of things. I think just outside of outside of football alone. I mean, our culture has kind of gone to we're expecting this, we're expecting that. You know, we're expecting things to be handed to us. But no, I mean, people forget that. Our athletes, our football players, our volleyball players, our basketball players, they have to work for it every day. We know that, you know, Charlie and that team, they're working for it every day. And and I know that most of our squads have been since day one. I think it's it, it comes down to what are we going to do as alumni? What is our student body going to do? What are our administrators and our, our people running the student body going to do to help to change that culture and and maybe some of this is going to take a 
uh, an administration uh, helping the student body to get to some of these away games and and start that feel of of what it was like for us when we just kind of up and went. And so, well, so I, 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 you said it about leadership. This is about leadership and administration because you and I used to go to games for free because they'd see us at games and they'd be like, those two are idiots who love to go to everything and paint their bodies and be stupid. We're going to pay for them to go to places. And then all of us, I mean, you're still giving back to the program. Like we're all involved. You know what I mean? You're building that floor to get people involved for life. And that's what's missing. And that's what's got to change. And, and oh, Natty, Natty, go home, Matt. Yeah, and, and, and maybe I give a different perspective, but I've been a USF fan since I started there in 2000. And I have to say that some of this stuff lies within. I just don't know what's going on with the current students, current younger people. But, man, I love to go to the sporting events back when I was a USF student, and there was no need to pull my teeth. There was no incentive. I mean, we were gone regardless. Uh, myself, multiple people with me, my friend Bunty, I got to mention him online because <laughs> uh, we got into a little bit of trouble on that UAB game. Uh, so it was like a fair trade, but – thing is that back then you didn't have to pull people's teeth to go to a game. It's right. where I'm that, – that's – And so hold on. As alumni, though, do you even have to do that to this day? Look, I live in Atlanta, but at any chance I get to go to Tampa, I'm going to try to figure out a way to go to a game. And I've got my kids who want to go to games, whether it's a basketball game or a football and game. I, and I think, you're, we I think you're beating up the same drum I am. Right. If you have that fire, you have that passion, you have that spirit – no one needs to grab you to come. I mean, I'm recruiting people to go to games, you know? And I think I don't know what's going on with uh, with the younger generation, but they just don't have the same spirit that I've seen. I could be wrong. I think some of them do. I think some of them do. And I think that there are those crazy ones, like you were talking about seeing the Georgia Tech students painted in the gym today at the volleyball game and what have it. You do. You see that. We see that when we go to a game at Raymond James. We see that in on the TV if I'm watching it, you know, from abroad. But at the same time, how many of those kids now are given that opportunity that we were given to travel right. back in the day that's different? That's going to help instill that opportunity that our kids are going to going to love to go to games when we have that. My kids love going to games. My kid's excited because tomorrow he's like, Daddy, I'm going to get to go to watch the game, and, and maybe the USF Bulls will beat the nerds. Like, that's what it's about. Beat the nerds. We should have made a shirt. But Levine, Levine you were going to say something, which is uh, back, you and I went to Cincinnati, yes. and there were, what, 14, 15 of us? Yeah, give or take. Many. Like There were 14 or 15 of us that were like going every game. And so the donors paid for us to go to a conference tournament in Cincinnati. Um, you, Maddie, did you go on that too? Did you go to Cincinnati with us? I may or may not have been there. Okay, so <laughs> so we go. There's been a lot of them. I'm sorry. There's a lot of them. There's been a lot of them, and sometimes the memories get hazy. But back to your question. Yeah. So we go. We had donors pay for us to go to the games because they saw us like travel. Like I think that year we like we drove up to the UAB game on our own. We like hit every road trip that we could. They put us in the car or they put us on planes. Boy, this was a this was alumni that that took the time to to pay our way to to join the team and cheer our asses off when we thought that we had a chance to make a run at the conference tournament. Um, you know, one day we might be in a position to do the same for others, but 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 they put that seed in our heads that you know. But it that took that's what we want to do. For our- but it, uh, hey, I'm gonna text you in a second. Bye, Pod. I love you, Pod. <laughs> um, the but the difference is is that like they saw us going out there but they put us in a position to win and it paid off because they've made that money back that they spent on that trip a thousand times over and investing in the youth and that's the only way we're going to get better but i hate to sound like old men yelling at clouds but if we're going to change a culture we have seen a culture that was different that was more bought in and involved we see campuses across america like georgia tech at a volleyball game where they're out there painted and and it's georgia tech those kids actually have to go to class you know like unlike us like well matt had to go to class because he was actually like 
got a medical degree, but like the rest of us didn't have to go get a real degree. So we didn't really like, we didn't really have to go to class very much. These kids, if they're been bought in and involved, we've got it. We just have to change that because it's the only way you're going to pay this for in the long run. All right. Ryan C. Smith, welcome back to the Illuminati podcast. Thank you. It is a pleasure to be here. Pleasure to be here. As the largest Emory grad in the Bulls universe in terms of fandom. By the way, a great selection in terms of this place tonight because Thank um, you. the service has been just phenomenal. Oh, just just great, Ryan. Again, a, a wonderful job. And they, they let us have so many tables and so much room. Again, a wonderful choice by you. Thank I you. cannot say enough about what you've done it's, here. It's been a great crowd here. People you know, showed, The microphone's people, over here. Okay. People showed up very nicely. It was a good crowd, good USF crowd here. We had a good crowd. We had a good time. Um, you did a, a, a yeoman's job getting everyone to a bar that... Um, Waited, had like 45 minutes waits for food and people waiting forever for beer. That's and, true. I mean, Jesus Christ. Like, again, just fantastic. Again, a local doing a wonderful job. Thank you. Um, your thoughts about, like, because I think you have the objectivity of someone who looks at football in a smart, reasonable way, loves USF as much as any of us, if not more, but also sees these things with a little bit more of an outside perspective. You take the issues that we all see with the program and go, well, that's not really the problem. The problem is your offensive line is trash. Ryan, to be fair, before the season was going, I don't think this team is very good. And we're all going, no, it's Kerwin Bell. We got this all figured out. It's going to be fun. This entire summer. Whole summer. All in slack. He's the one going, dude, I don't know what you guys are seeing. Like, I know you're going to practice and you believe in this stuff, but like, there's just not a lot of talent here. And, and we're all like, no, no, no. It's going to be completely different. They're going to... They're going to be multiple. They're going to – you're going to see formations and scheme that you haven't seen before. To be fair, Ryan did not drink the Kool-Aid. Right. Like we drank the Kool-Aid. Right. We we didn't drink the coordinate. We, did, we didn't even put the water in the Kool-Aid because we just took the powder and snorted it. Like we just like – it, it was truly the whole summer. It was them being like, USF is back on track. Everything is back to the way it was a couple years ago. You know, Charlie Strong's got it figured out. And I was like, look, you guys are closer to the program than I am. But just looking objectively at this program, none of that appears to be true. And as we stand here in week one, none of that appears to be true. But it's week one. So I believe you remember a column I wrote where I, I said, I've given up on the season already. Vividly. Vividly. vividly I believe yes. that was the 2015 season. And that was a fair column, and it was every bit true at the time. And when we were one and three, good God, was I right. You were 100% right. When we're one and three, when we duffed that game to Memphis, I looked right. And we're all like, if we had lost, we always say it, that's, that Syracuse game was for Willie Taggart's career. Absolutely. $18 million guarantee at FSU does not happen if he does not beat Syracuse that day. That double reverse. <laughs> double reverse and and getting people out in space. Three-point lead at halftime, blew it open second half, changed the tra- trajectory of the program forever. Now, to be fair, by the numbers, I believe that was the fourth biggest turnaround from the beginning of the season to the end of the season in terms of S&P uh, of any team since in the uh, CFP or... BCS really? era. Yeah. Really? It's like I mean, that 19- makes sense. That since makes 1998, sense. it was the fourth biggest turnaround, I believe. I, I, Matt Morrison, if that's correct, holler, but I believe that is the number. So, so, but again, we we knew it was possible. We didn't know it was going to happen. The difference with this program is that 2015 team, let me, let me repeat, had Quinn Flowers, Marlon Mack, Rodney Adams, um... Tyree McCants. Tyree McCants. Yeah, um, oh, freshman Tyree McCants. Freshman Tyree, you're right. Freshman yeah. Tyree McCants. Rysheen Bronson. Rysheen Bronson defensively was Dietrich Nichols, Deidre Sanat. Yeah. I mean, that, that we That's always players. Said, we always said in that 2015 year, the new coach will win immediately. Yeah. We were, we were right, just not in the way that we thought we were going to be. Because the new coach turned yeah. out to be Willie Taggart yeah. and, and his eight-play play sheet, which is – actually, I had a nice conversation with somebody here today about that. We talked about a playbook. They're like, no, no, it wasn't a playbook. It was a piece of paper. It was laminated. It had eight on one side, eight on the other. Flip it over. That was that was 2015 playbook. Who cares? I don't care if you have a big playbook. I just want you to win games. And now we, we talk a lot about, and I talk a lot about, I, I take a lot of pride in my preseason USF predictions because... You're always right. I, I am... You apart, have been better at this than I have. Apart from one season, I have been within one game. 
And the one season was 2015. And I am happy to admit that we were wrong in 2015. We're all, I gave up on the season before it started. One in three. But we were we were geniuses when they were one in three. Not be, but not because the process was wrong. Because we looked at it objectively. And objectively, that team did not have what it, like, they did not have what they needed to have in place to have a successful season. Correct. But they put it in place. And, you know, I will stand by our methodology behind that season. And I will stand by taking the L on that season. This season, I I mean, look, it is possible they have talent on this team. They do not have talent like the 2015 team did. Not they do not have the talent to fall back on like that team did. If they, I, I don't think there is a the same possibility of this team just forcing their way into being good just by sheerly how good the players are. This is not, no, no, no. This is not an open-ended podcast, Eric. You got your mic time. Now you're getting selfish. What's your question? What's your question? Are they on the right track? I don't know. I hope so. I think we'll find out a lot tomorrow. When, when I look at it, I see, I, I look at the micro, you know, for people who are near the program and people who see what's happening with, you know, Mike Kelly and the athletic department, that's a totally different story. It seems to me that you guys are very, very optimistic on the future, the macro, long-term future of the program. I see, that's the thing, is at this point, I'm like so beaten down and so old, I only think in terms of macro. Yeah. I don't see the micro, like, we lose 49 and I go, well, that sucks. But I also see we're raising more money than we ever have. We have more Iron Bulls than we ever have. We're closer to having an indoor practice facility, which solved the recruiting problems. Like, we, I see the fundamentals on the ground getting better, and so that's why I'm encouraged. I worry less about individual game-to-game. Now, do I worry about individual game-to-game in terms of coaching hire? Absolutely, because, you know, if you're, you get crop-dusted again and again and again and again, yeah, they're going to do something, so... And yeah, so in the macro sense, I think there's a lot to look at and say that, you know, this program and this athletic department is headed in the right direction. Purely looking at the micro and looking at this season, I don't see, and it is possible, they have a lot of offensive talent. You know, they, this staff is famed for their defensive prowess. We wouldn't be able to tell last year, but, you know, they put together, they had, you know, lemons and made lemonade out of it in, uh, 2017 with the defense so they have shown the ability to make a good defense um they have an offensive coordinator who is at least more qualified than sterling gilbert we can at least say that much and so there are pieces that you can look at and say this team can be competitive in the american athletic conference do i see them switching up you know flipping a switch and saying all of a sudden, this team is about to contend for a conference title. I very much don't see that, especially after week one. I didn't really see that before week one. And now, t- to me, in the micro, it looks like, you know, the team that played in week one is not going to win many games. I'm going to ask you the same question I asked Seth uh, on the podcast on Wednesday. Team comes out, like two first downs in the first four series. Goes like punt, punt, running back, fumble, um, you know, duff, duff field goal after a turnover, something like that. But the offense is not being efficient and not moving the ball. Do you pull the trigger and go to McLeod because he might be a better fit for this offensive line, which at least he can run away? For me, it's less even the fit with the offense and it's more if you really think this team isn't going to be good this year then reps. what are reps. Yeah. exactly then what are you building for in the future do you right. think McLeod can be your guy right now they have a very very small I mean they have what two scholarship quarterbacks right now now that uh, Evans has moved to a wide receiver right and so I mean if you think McLeod can be the guy for you I mean let him play some There, there is no harm if you think he can be the guy for you and you think Blake Barnett is not going to win you games not to any fault of his own but through just the team is so bad as year then by all means let McLeod take snaps if you think that McLeod is not the guy for you and you're looking I mean they have a big quarterback class in theory coming in this next season if you think that you know Tate Rodemaker or Jordan Smith is what is your guy then maybe you'll let Barnett play the year but I, I even think it's less the fit and more just what do you think you can get out of this season because I think People are really down on Blake Barnett. I think you can win with Blake Barnett. I think Blake Barnett has shown that he can play quarterback for us at the Ameri- at the AAC level. I don't think it's Blake Barnett's fault at all. I think Blake Barnett is a very much a, a, a at least middle tier and if not upper tier quarterback in this league. No sure. question. The problem is fit. Yes. And the problem is is that you can be the right piece in the wrong puzzle. And I just sort of think after seeing Billy Atterbury get blown up 
at least McLeod can run away. That's true. And, and that maybe, you know, I had a, a great discussion with some folks about the, the long term, what USF should be recruiting in the long run. We have skill athletes on trees. We have the ability to run away. We have tons of speed. That is available anywhere. We can get high three, low four star kids that have breakaway, the Darnell Salomon types, RIP. That God, how helpful would that get been this year? Um, he would not have won if that was He would not have beaten Wisconsin, but he would have been helpful to have on the roster. Like, kid, you have those time and skill positions because there are just so many skill players that you can acquire. Thankfully, Darnell Solomon has no history of dropping passes. No, oh, well. Fair commentary. But what we can't really get is the kind of beef that Wisconsin pulls, the, that Big Ten type of kid who can use just, you know, corn fed and, and can beat the hell out of it. So if you're going to do that, why don't you develop a system where you're, you understand that you're just going to have undersized linemen who can't, who can't run wham, who can't run power, and build an entire program around speed and space. And it and seemed Barnett, like they had that as of two years ago. Right. But then Barnett doesn't really fit a speed and space type of system. And, you know, I, I think he could with the right weapons around him. But, I mean, you've seen – and I think the biggest knock I would on love Barnett, to see Barnett – I would love to see Barnett in an air raid system. Absolutely. That he's an air raid quarterback. Like, that – send him to Washington. He should have transferred to Washington State instead of the and, – and backed up the – or played instead of the mustache. And, you know, although the mustache graduated, that would have been the ideal system. Go play for Leach because that's a perfect fit for him. And I think He's the, a good player. I think the biggest knock on Barnett is... Sorry, Ryan. I got to interrupt you here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Did you just say the mustache as Jacksonville Jaguar quarterback, Gardner Minshew? I love that kid. I love that kid. He's hilarious. He is. He's awesome. So, yeah, we need, we need more... Barnett might be a bad fit for what USF should be long-term as a program. as it, We're going to have coaches come and go. We're in the American Athletic Conference. We can't afford to keep anybody. If you win here, you're bouncing, okay? Scott for us. Hypo wins another one this year, deuces, okay? Especially now that like programs like Purdue or... Jeff Brown might not be as hot a commodity on the market, and there's some mm-hmm. other guys that might not be as hot a commodity. You're not going to be able to keep coaches. Like, if Norvell gets in this league, my God, Mike Norvell, run. Take the contract and run. You can't sustain here. If you somehow back your way into a championship, take the check and get the fuck out. <laughs> he's up by 42 in the first half. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's up by 42 in the How first half. How many points half. do we have to give him? <laughs> he's going to punt on third down with 13 minutes left in the third quarter. Um, what, I, what, I, what I see from Barnett is I, I think he could be successful in this offense I just what what drives me or or what I look at with Barnett and I say that's where the weakness in his game is is when the pocket breaks down right when the pocket breaks down to Barnett and it's gonna break down though with this team it's going to and he he consistently should not be recruiting guys that run that kind of offense we should be we should be recruiting guys that run and just run name and address sir my name's Dave I'm from Nashville (laughs) (laughs) and i think i I think barnett like he and i mentioned this in the last week he reminds me a lot of bj daniels in the last couple years in that you can tell he's a talented athlete you can tell he's got a great arm you can tell that with the right players around him he could really be a very very valuable fit. But when things start breaking down, you know, he's not thinking, you know, all right, what's the safe play here? He's thinking, how do I save this myself? And I think that that has not been very conducive to success lately. So I'm going I'm to put this on the other end too. Defensively, USF should be a blitz and turnover program. For sure. Like, you you need to put, you, you can get kids like Hampton and Sales and put them on islands and let them play man. And you know what? Every once in a while, they're going to get beat, and you're going to give up seven. That's fine. Don't worry about it. Dust yourself off. Go to the next play. We should be a program that consistently applies pressure because we're our bodies are smaller, which means you need to bring more of them. And that means you got to trust your outside guys. And the, the, the speed should be the thing. That, undersized, but with speed, and it should be a program commitment through coaches, through coordinators. When when you lose a coordinator, don't just go get whomever off the market. Get a guy who preaches a speed space system defensively and because you can get to a couple of elite athletes. Steve is keep Steve keeps pointing. I'm turning my oh, turn around. To to your point, 
The Navy game in 2016. The home game or the road game? The home game. Okay. The one where we absolutely crushed their souls. Right. That was quintessential because in that first or in the first couple drives of Navy's Navy's game plan, we left them. We left our DBs on the island the entire time. And what did they do with the first opportunity at a pass play? Interception. And realistically, on the first play against Wisconsin, I mean, like, incomplete pass still, but it just it felt like against Wisconsin, they weren't jumping at the opportunity to make those plays. It felt like, and this might be a knock on Brian Jean Marie more than anything, the zone defense against Wisconsin, that was not it. That was not you. At no point should a zone call be played unless it's third and 15 and they're clearly in a pass down situation. And even then, it's going to be a, you know, they're going to go halfback draw. Put your heels on the line, yeah, and and move forward, yeah, yeah. But that was that was the thing that was frustrating me, at least, especially was that, and I, I mentioned it a little bit in the uh, in the uh, in the review after the game, like straight after that we did on Facebook Live, was the coordinator seemed to not call the right plays at the right times. The right plays were there in the first quarter, but. After that, it seemed like it was just like, oh, shit, just get us off the field, or, oh, shit, let's just try to get something going here. Like, let's hope that something good happens on this play. It felt very, every single play felt like on offense and on defense that it was prevent the Hail Mary on defense or Hail Mary on offense, and that was it. And it's Wisconsin, yes. We were down incremental amount of numbers. We were not going to win that game regardless, but it felt like the coordinators gave up after the first quarter. Yeah, and and you know what? Fuck the hell, Mary. They throw it over your head. They throw it over your head. I don't give a shit. You have to be. You have to take the efficiency. Like moral victories are bullshit. Play to win the game. Whatever. Uh, okay, Ryan, you gotta go. Great being back on. Loved it. See you guys tomorrow. It's gonna take a lot to take me away from you. Jason Brody. Oh shit, he's really walking away. No, seriously, Jason Brody, welcome to the Balluminati podcast. Thanks for having me. Jay, uh, you and I have been friends for like 20 years at this point. Um, you're, you, I don't think you're the biggest degenerate I know because you actually win more money than you lose because you're actually pretty good at this whole gambling thing. But you are a stone degenerate. Would you agree with this assessment? Yes. <laughs> you have to lead into the microphone. <laughs> I don't, yeah. yeah, zero stone gender. So here's here's my favorite Jay Brody degenerate story. So we go to Las Vegas. This is like 2005, six, something uh, like that. No, well before that. I met my wife a few months before then, so it was probably 2003. Was it really? God, yeah. we're so I old. was 21, exactly 21. So it's you, me, Griff. uh, Mike Griffin. We're staying with Griff's brother the first night that we get to the hotel. And what were we at? I think I think we were in. Uh, I think we lived in, we were in another state. We were in the Riviera. We're so far away. No, yeah. no, no. Uh, oh yeah, the you know, Riviera. The we were at the night. Riviera. The first night we stay at the Riviera Hotel, which no longer exists. Yeah. R.I.P. And we go. And we flew all the way. I think you and I, like, walked up to the, like, we like, walked basically to the airline and said, we're buying a ticket. We're getting on a plane. This is when you still flew. No, this was, the story was, you told me you're going to Vegas. Right. And I told you if I made $1,500 in online poker that week, I would join you. Oh, that's right. And I made about two grand that week. And, and you, like, like, walked up and bought a ticket. I'm like, I'm going. Yeah, we're that's fucking. Story. Yeah. So he came. So he takes all the cash that we go. And we're at the Riviera. And so Mike's brother Ward and I are just sitting there. I think we go to dinner. <laughs> we like hang out. And Jay's like, I'm ready for the blackjack table. Let's go. We see you about an hour and a half later. And you have no money. <laughs> That's happened about five or six times in my life. So. <laughs> he flies all the way to Vegas. Out of cash. Like literally an hour and a half in. Basically. <laughs> Kind of an amazing moment in gambling history. I think I've done that more than five or six times. I actually come to think of it. Yeah, and, and so it's happened. To the, and he and also on blackjack. Now, like we're both at this point very winning poker players. Like we are very. If we sit at a poker table for a long enough time, we're both going to make money. We both still can make money at poker, but back then it was even easier than it is now. Back then was ten times easier than it is now. Ten no, times nobody easier. knew anything back then. Now the young kids. 
with all of you know everybody's research three bet, they can do and everybody's three betting yeah. a nine ten you know which nobody well, was doing. Same thing. My day. dad used to tell me. I go to I go out of Vegas, go on vacation. I'm like, I made five grand playing poker. He goes, How much you up? I'm like, I'm down four thousand. <laughs> Played blackjack while I was there. So, so why are you playing blackjack? That's a good question, Dad. I mean, you know. So you go, and yet somehow after that trip. I don't know where you found your last hundred. I don't know if you borrowed it from one of us or you like hit a credit card or whatever. But somehow you went home with that trip and you were almost unstuck at the end. I think we played. You were at well, Mandalay we, Bay, like we, grinding we, your we, face. I think off. I played two five Mandalay. That was when, um, um, what's the actor that was there? Um, James Woods. James Woods played with we, us. We played Pelagio. He's the worst Woods, poker yeah. player I've ever seen in my entire life. Horrent. And by the way, he sucks on Twitter too. Um, <laughs> but we played with like. We played James Woods. Um, well, no, that was the time that the, the uh, head of the poker room came up to me. I was first on the list, and he said, we have James Woods here. Do you mind if he jump, we, he jumps you on the list? I said, under one condition. I, I get to sit next to him when I get my seat. That's right. Yeah. Out, yeah. Did, you, did you stack him? I know he got stacked no, no, in the he, game. He, uh, he, I think he shipped like six high for like <laughs> two grand. The first It was the first time he played poker. So like six high for about two grand. That was the end of the session. But. Ripped it in. Um, yeah, so anyway, so it, when everybody sees like my stuff on Twitter about like gambling and sports, all that stuff, just know that like we always get it back because we are winning. We win more than we lose. It's just sometimes the stories to get there are a little challenging. And, and we look back at them and laugh. Well, the art of being a true degenerate is that there's many facets of gambling, you know. So that's the thing is I'm not really a degenerate. Like I'm. I gamble, quasi, but I'm not, quasi. I'm a quasi. I'm a like a half degenerate. Like, you know, I am more than willing to like dust off 500 at a blackjack table after a winning session. That's fine, or after a losing session sometimes. But like, I would never like I don't know run out of cash 90 minutes after getting off the plane at McCarran. or take your rent money to the uh, the tables. Massive, massive proud eye roll when Colin says he's not a degenerate. <laughs> I'm really not. Like, I, I may have played it. There's very. There's variations the drink levels the drinking and the gambling like there's i've sort of built an image on twitter and i think people like think that like i'm like you know stone degenerate like i i i definitely gamble i like to play but i'm not like super crazy risk taker i just something like triggers in my brain to go shit i can't do that i like to drink i've had several beers this evening but like I've also, like, not drank for, like, weeks and months on end. Like, summertime, I don't drink in the summer because I know I'm going to be out for football games for the next 14 weeks, and I'm going to be drinking every weekend. So, like, I don't drink over the summer, you know? Um, so, yeah. So, I just wanted to tell my favorite Jay Brody story while we were here. Well, in my defense, <laughs> I only play poker now. I don't do anything else. So. Yeah, and, and he's quite good, and he plays in a very good game. Um, come by. Come by the Hard Rock anytime. <laughs> Seat open. Seat open. player. All right, let's go. Um, all right, Plaza, we're going to get you in here for like 30 seconds. Brandon, why aren't we having a tailgate tomorrow? You were supposed to run the tailgate, and you texted me last night, and you're like, I don't really want to do all this tailgate and shit. And now there's like 900 people asking me to go to a tailgate tomorrow. And, of course, they all want to go because the Alumni Association tailgate is sold out. And you did not step up and get it done. Dr. By the Faza. way, the, the definition of tailgate should involve a vehicle and a tailgate and not an air-conditioned, you know, uh, tent or uh, indoor facility. See, here's uh, your problem. You don't need too much money now, so, like, you know you can still get into the sold-out tailgate. So you're like, fuck everybody else. No, I, I'm going to, like, call the Alumni Association. We didn't buy. We didn't. We're not going to that uh, event uh, yeah, what with did all you call respect it? Oh, to their let me, event. Read, let me read what you called that event last night. Hold on. You texted me. All right. Look, it, it takes a gargantuan effort uh, of, of not just myself, but also my girlfriend, Danielle, to uh, check a bag on Southwest that involves a USF tent, a uh, flagpole, flags, uh, extra baggage, uh, planning ahead to uh, get a uh, power inverter and uh, some, in some cases a generator, uh, rentals, so, so far, so forth. And uh, I, listen, I've done it for every major away game, but yeah. I... I in Chicago, you were a lifesaver. I will show up and I will support the team, but under the current circumstances of the direction that our coaching staff is taking our program, I 
I just felt burnt out. Um, you are just, definitely Team Fire Charlie. You are like, you were Team Fire Charlie. FireCharlieStrong.com. Yeah, because, you were Team Fire Charlie. Because at the end of the day, with all due respect to him, I think he has some talents, but it's not the talents required of an NCAA FBS head coach. If, if you wow. can't survive in Texas. Nobody can hear you. Now they can. If you can't survive in Texas, you can't survive anywhere. Right. He had every Texas advantage. is a tough job. That's a tough, tough job. You have, the, you, you have recruitment anywhere and everywhere you want. Yeah, but it's it's also extremely competitive. Like, you go 9-3, and three, they're like well, out you, for your head. When you run five offensive plays, mm. it's, it's, it's pretty easy to, for the def- defense to know what you're doing. You and, his last se- and his last season at Texas and his first two seasons at USF, they literally ran eight plays. Like, that's not a joke. Right. So. Thankfully for uh, having one of the best quarterbacks that no one knew about, he was able to win a whole bunch of games that year. The difference is, it's like, there were when Willie Taggart drew up those eight plays— they worked. When Sterling Gilbert drew up those eight plays, holy shit was that stupid. So, yeah, that was the difference. All right, Fozzie, you get 30 seconds because you've done enough for this program. Rant, bitch, do whatever you want. And uh, Listen, I'm not go. here to rant. I, I, I love USF. I will always love USF. I credit, uh, after my parents, I credit USF with, you know, making me who I am, which is why I'm such a diehard fan. But, um... You know, I, I, I can't I can't support the direction of the program at the moment, and I will remain a fan, a hardcore fan, and I will show up and I will support the team. But um, the tailgates will come out uh, if we make a bowl game, which I highly doubt. Wait, tailgate. Wait a minute. And, and instead of that tailgate, you'd like everyone to join. Um, do you know of a tailgate to join that is not a bullshit paid cushy cash bar, which involves no vehicle nor an actual tailgate? I, I played the fifth, but I, I couldn't I couldn't help but agree with that statement. <laughs> this is fantastic. Uh, thank you, Brandon. Thank you, Jason. I this think was there's, lovely. There's a large section of the USF alumni that would like a classic, actual tailgate event uh, to attend, and I and I think uh, unfortunately that segment of alumni are a bit ignored. And I would appreciate if USF organizations would start paying attention to them. Uh, when Bulls Outfitter was in existence and, and going strong, they planned lo- an awful lot of those tailgates, and, and that really served uh, our population. And now we're sort of, uh, you know, left to the wind at the moment. And and I would appreciate uh, if I wasn't always the one. <laughs> so goes on. Yeah, the it goes on. So um, here's what we're going to do now. Um, Brandon, you're a medical doctor, so now what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a sponsorship read with your girlfriend. Oh, Lord. Um but you are, since you are a medical doctor, I would not put you on the spot about these things. But we're going to use our sponsor, which is Matrix Hormones. So, Danielle, come on over here. We're going to do the read for Matrix Hormones. Come on. Hello there, everybody. Danielle, when, when your man sometimes just doesn't feel like himself as, as he gets older, sometimes there are things where he just feels sluggish and just not himself either in the bedroom or other places as well. Do you see that sometimes in, in men? For the record, has not happened. Do <laughs> <laughs> you see that sometimes in men that you potentially date where they just don't seem quite have the vim vigor that they once had? In men other than my boyfriend, yes. <laughs> <laughs> As he's staring daggers through her. Uh, Matrix hormones, ladies and gentlemen. Matrix hormones. Um, if you're looking for uh, things to boost your drive, your energy... Uh, both inside and outside of the bedroom. It's not just a sex drug, people, I swear to you. Um, but sometimes when you get older, you need a little t- testosterone replacement. Uh, and sometimes a little bit of blood work. They can figure out exactly what is the right formula to make sure that you get back on where you are. Uh, Matrix Hormones, you can reach them at matrixhormones.com or 813-333-2226. Again, that's 813 333 Two 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 six. Three field goals, three safeties, one touchdown, no extra point. Three 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 two 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 six. Matrixhormones.com for all of your needs to uh, get back the way things are. Danielle, don't you love a man who just even as he gets older still feels like he's a young man again? Oh yes, absolutely. I need a man to go four quarters and halftime. Perfect. Cut it, slice it. We're using that every week. <laughs> Five. All right, y'all. We're done here. Stig, podcast is over. Go Bulls. 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 Beach Georgia Tech.